life and to the body of Christ. He began to come on the global scene at the Brownsville Revival. He is a professor and a founder of a Bible college that is equipping students to reach the world. But he's mostly known right now for his daily radio program, Ask Dr. Brown. He answers the questions. He's not afraid to debate anybody. And he is our guest today. None other than Dr. Michael Brown will be on the program to talk about what in the world is about to happen in the political landscape of America and the world and how that ties in to the end time revival right after this. Well, welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Michael Brown. The crowd is going wild. Yes. They I love you, I can feel Dr. the love. I can feel the love. <laughs> yes, they love you, Dr. Brown, and I love you so much. And you have meant so much to my family and just your impartation. I can't tell you, sir, how many days and just hours and hours and hours that I've working around the yard, working in the office, got my ears in, listening to you on your program, on your podcast. Uh, it is one of my greatest honors when you come on The Big Picture. So welcome. Thank you so much. And I appreciate that from the heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for all that you're doing. And and I wanted to bring you on uh, because I know that you've got, I want to bring, first of all, I want to tell everybody so how easy it is to, to get all your answers. You want to just go to askdrbrown.org. And when you go there, this is what the website will look like. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. That is his tagline, which is absolutely true. And you can, of course, on the website there, you can learn more about how to find his podcast, listen to him in all the many cities that there are simulcasts, as well as how to get a hold of his books, his courses, and so forth. Uh, but one of the things, Dr. Brown, that you are known for is not being afraid to look anything right in face-to-face -face and you know, your latest book uh, that, you know, I'll have you on another program to talk about the concept of this because you are an expert on why so many Christians have left the faith and, you know, deconstructing deconstruction, if you will. Uh, but the one I wanted to talk to you about that I believe for the big picture listeners, and I want to encourage everyone to get a copy of this book, is one of his recent books that he had coming out, The Political Seduction of the Church. Dr. Brown, my question to you is, and for the big picture audience, is, you know, we're getting ready at the time of this recording. You know, we're at the, they're just about to have the first Republican debate. And this nation, you know, is so polarized when it comes to the presidential election. What do you think is about to happen in this country? What is your, when you put your finger on the pulse of this nation uh, and, and how it ties into what God is doing in the church Help us understand how the political world should matter to us. Yeah, so this is this is a multifaceted question, and, and we'll unpack it as we go on. Otherwise, you pushed a button. I could speak for about 10 hours <laughs> go ahead, just on the sir. different aspects of it. Uh, so let, let me try to give an overview. Then we can unpack things. Okay. It's absolutely crucial for the church to be involved in every area of society. If indeed we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and if that is our function in the society, then if we abdicate, there will only be darkness. If we abdicate, there won't be a strong yes. moral conscience. So it's important that we are involved politically. 
but we need to be involved without being seduced. In other words, we cannot become the appendage of a political party. We cannot look to politics to do what only the gospel can do. Mm. We cannot look for a political savior. We cannot put all of our eggs in the political basket. The main way that America will change is revival in the church, spilling over into the society in an awakening. And also we vote and also we do other things, but we tend to get things reversed. And and here's my great Mm. concern. I've had pastors tell me, uh, I wish I had political seduction in 2020 because it came out in 2021. I I wish I had it in in 2020. And in in point of fact, actually came out in 2022 as we were getting ready for the midterm elections. Mm. But I also wrote it to, to be ready for 2024. Yes. I believe that many, especially evangelicals, especially charismatics, we made some big mistakes in Come the on. 2020 elections that have hurt us, that have hurt the gospel, that have hurt the cause of Christ in America, that have hurt us politically as well. And if we don't learn from those lessons, we'll repeat the same errors in 2024, and that could be disastrous. So yes. again, just some general overview things. I see some very positive things happening. But let me first sketch out some of the negative things. As a conservative evangelical, I voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020. And as much as I had misgivings about aspects of his character, on the other hand, to me, it was a no-brainer because I was so strongly opposed to the policies of Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and the Democrats. I don't demonize them. I simply say that I strongly oppose their policies and pray for their salvation well-being. So I voted for him. Uh, And in in 2020, when I voted for him, I felt even more strongly because he had kept his promises, which which I I didn't know he would do in 2016. I hoped he would, but he did. Appointing the Supreme Court justices, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, the Abraham Accords, standing up to radical Islam, facing down China. Yeah, so with all of his warts and blemishes and the discord and the dissension and kind of the daily drama that we live with, and, and even a lot of that filtering down into the church that we were becoming more like him, it seemed. Still, to me, that was the better choice to make. I, I became greatly concerned, though, as I saw the degree of passion behind his election. Mm-hmm. When I heard people saying only Donald Trump could save America, it reminded me of when, when Democrats and others were saying Barack Obama is the chosen one. I'm saying, no, no, there's yeah. only one chosen one. There's only one who can save America, and uh, there's no human name that belongs in there. And and I've found people becoming more passionate defenders of Donald Trump than they were defenders of Jesus. I, I saw them trashing their testimony with hostile attacks on others, and this was in the name of doing the right thing and at least Trump's fighting for us. And if you tried to be gracious in mm. the midst of your interaction, you were now weak. And yep. then... The, the wave of prophecies guaranteeing right. eight consecutive years and Biden will not be inaugurated, watch and see. Yep. At a certain point, I knew, I, I hoped it would happen, but at a certain point, I knew it's not going to happen. This is before the inauguration. And when I told everyone it's over, it's, it's not going to happen, thousands of people dropped me on social media. When yep. I called out QAnon conspiracy theories that even worldly people were saying, wow, we've been duped. There were church people I will never listen to again yeah. And I, I never saw a seduction, a deception this widespread on this level. And the idea that, that the whole hope of America was political. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was the the typical savior uh, mentality. And it was like, you know, it's one thing to believe in in a political candidate in their stance. And I, like you as well, just sort of had to um, bite my lip when I see the the moral things that was involved in, in Trump at that time when he was running for president the first time. But my vote was not to endorse him as a political character. It was the Supreme Court, those kind of things. And we see, absolutely, we see directly the result of what happened because of that. So I believe that he was there for Roe v. Wade. He was there for many things uh, in the Supreme Court. But you're right, Dr. Brown. It was like, and I, being on the ground here in Birmingham, Alabama, being a pastor, I saw the division, not only the division, uh, the political division between political parties, between uh, ideologies and so forth. But then within the conservative world, I saw that firsthand about, you know, Trump is the savior. No, he's not. I'm still conservative. He's not my savior. Jesus is my savior. And I've had some people, even on this channel, when I point that out, would get in the comment section and, oh, my God, I thought you was a man of God. And I'm like, what what is what is a man of God got to do with any exactly. other man? I mean, I'm following Jesus, and yes, I'm thankful for all that Donald Trump did, and you're the I'm the same way. I voted for him, not ashamed to say it. Uh, but uh, the reality is this: when it's all said and done, the answer to the world is not Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or any other candidate. It's Jesus Christ. So, so where do you think, Pat, uh, uh, Dr. Brown? Where do you think is there hope for the church? to get their focus back on God? has Did the pandemic shake us enough to, to realize our error in our ways, or do you see it getting worse or better? So here's the good news, and, and, then, and then the caution. So the good news is that I, I had been concerned as America was continuing to slide down morally, spiritually, and divide in deeper and deeper ways, even along race lines. You know, if you talk to, say, a, a black American about make America great again, they have a very different perception of this than yes. a white American does, right? Yes. Especially in yes. Alabama. Okay, yes. so was it great in the 50s? Was it great? Right. You know, the, right. so so even then we realize how we, we could talk past each other and we can get so caught up with politics that yeah. instead of uniting around Jesus, we divide around a candidate. And, and right. that's what happened. But I had been concerned for years that the hunger, the thirst, the desperation that I was seeing in the years leading up to Brownsville, I was not seeing on a national level in the Church of America. And I thought, this is a concern because the needs are massive and the hunger, the desperation is yeah. not there. Late 2019, Larry, I, I started yeah. to see the tide turning, at least the, the places where I was going, there was a greater cry for revival, a greater hunger, a greater desperation, a greater sense of God, you have to you have to move or it's over. And yeah. in early 2020, I really felt God coming as a refiner's fire as I was ministering in churches and yeah. and a sense, okay, something's something's getting closer. And then it was like all hell broke loose. Right. The pandemic, right. the race riots, scandals in the church, yeah. uh, and then the scandals in the church over the elections and the false prophecies and the deception. And it seemed like everything was getting worse. Then I began to realize this is the refiner's fire at work. Mm. People are crying out. And when the refiner's fire comes, it brings the junk up to the surface. So, so much of the junk in the church was now coming to the surface. And then in the midst of that, as I continued to travel, especially the last year, 
I was in church after church that was experiencing an outpouring of the Spirit. I, I mean buildings packed. I mean altars filled with young people worshiping God. I mean calls for prayer meetings and they can't fit everyone in the building to seek the face of God. People getting saved, many people being baptized, outpourings in schools. Mm. So I, I, I knew the thing that God had been speaking to me about for years, that instead of just a Brownsville or a Toronto, there would be thousands of holy fires all over America. Wow. I was seeing it starting to happen. And at the beginning of this new year, I got on the radio and I said, this has been clear to me for some time, but, but I want to say it plainly, that, that the, the, the next wave, the beginning mm. of the next wave of revival has already hit America. Something wow. has already begun. And about eight days after I said that, things exploded at Asbury. This wow. is all on radio. This is all documented. You said that eight days before Asbury? Yeah, about eight days before. Wow. I've been sensing it for a while, wow. but I'm very careful about what I say on radio sure. yes. because it's not just we're in a church service and Holy Ghost and everybody's yeah. prophesying. Right, right, you know, right. We've, we've got a lot of ears listening, and, and I'm not going to speak just glibly. So I said that when Asbury hit, mm -hmm. I said, hey, this is just an exclamation point. Wow. Uh, this God drawing attention to that, and, and in point of fact, when, when things were shut down in terms of the public meetings, the last weekend they had 50,000 people there. The town only has 6,000. So, Think about that. Wow. But everybody wasn't supposed to be flocking to one place. I knew that. Right, right. And this was the, the right decision. Since then, uh, yeah. I've heard of outpourings in church after church, some of them for right around Super Bowl Sunday and the weeks after, lasting for several months, um, others now in something fresh. So something is going on it's very encouraging to me dr brown i want to ask you what you said about asbury about the fifty thousand people right before it was shut down and then you knew this was not supposed to be someone flocking to a building we knew that brownsville was a sovereign absolute move of god there's no doubt about it but you're saying you've you've lived you not only did you live through brownsville you were involved in brownsville and now you're saying that this move of god is not about people flying in from all over. God's not going to set that up to where people's coming in and lining up. Thank God that that happened, and thank God it may happen in, in sporadic places again. But you're saying this is this is a fire that's spread out, that's at the local church level. Is that what you're feeling is why God had to stop Asbury from being in the front of the headlines, making it a desti destination point to where it was just sort of like a fanning of a flame and God was not going to allow that to happen? Is that what you're saying? Exactly, 100%. That Again, I've seen it for years in, in, in my spirit, in my mind's eye, these thousands of holy fires. So it's happening in so many places. In fact, I, I have a book that will be coming out end of this year called Seize the Moment, mm. How to Fuel the Fires of Revival. I'd started it in the Brownsville days, never finished it. Picked it I just wrote a little of it then, picked it up and, and, and wrote it, and we're getting it right out. Because I know that as the spirit falls in hundreds and thousands of different places, what do we do now? How do we yeah. handle it? What next? So this book is is 25 short chapters. Of, Here are the key things to do wow. to fuel the fires of revival. And then I have a book coming out a few months after that next year called Turn the Tide, How to Ignite a Cultural Awakening. Once God starts moving in revival, how do you translate that into change in the world around us? So That's things are, are definitely happening. There's, there's no doubt about it. I was just at a church in Colorado. God had been moving there powerfully, maybe about 1,200 people. God had been moving there powerfully. I was there in January 
They asked me to preach on revival themes. The pastor told me afterwards that the, the move went even deeper then. But then when he heard about Asbury, he said, Lord, what about us? How about us? Uh, a week or two after that, they have a Sunday morning service, I guess mm -hmm. the second of two services. It ends at eight o'clock the next morning. Oh my! They just Lord. worship through the day and through wow. the night, through the morning. So wow. they've had now 24 seven mm. prayer in one part of the building, 24 seven worship in another part of the building, these things going on continually. So I, I say that to encourage pastors, leaders, yes. believers. Sometimes you hear a report of something happening. It's like, okay, why not here? Why right. not where we are? And then, yeah, people may come flocking to a place, but there are going to be so many places where the mm. fire's falling. And it's not just going to be, again, Brownsville was for a purpose and Asbury yeah. was for a purpose. Toronto is for these different things for purposes. But, but this is different. This is more like the prayer revival that swept America 1857, 1858. Mm. This is all the good news. The yeah. concern, the deep concern that I have is that many of us have not learned the lessons from the past. There are people who prophesied falsely, who continue to prophesy falsely. And Donald Trump is actually the real president and Joe Biden has no authority. And so when our prophecies were true because the election was stolen, that's just hogwash. If, if, if God's going to tell you Trump's going to win the election, then let God tell you also that he'll never sit in the White House because it's going to be stolen. Right. That's like me giving you a prophecy. God showed me he's going to give you a Porsche tomorrow, but on the way over, someone's going to carjack it and you'll never get it. That's mm. nonsense. Wow. Uh, on, on top of it, we weren't concerned with an abstract count of votes. We were concerned with who's going to be sitting in the White House. Right. You know, there's one, one brother prophesied that he had a vision of Donald Trump sitting on a throne with a golden scepter and he's ruling and he's God's man in heaven. And it's just, just nonsense. But their ministries have gone on. Some of them yeah. I tried to reach out to privately without success. I, I do name names in political seduction of the church because it's, it's public. But they haven't stepped back. They continue to, to prophesy the same stuff. And when some of us wrote, put together a prophetic standards, we didn't mention Trump, we didn't mention names, but just affirming the gift of prophecy and ministry of prophet today, but then with guidelines and, and things to do and not to do, and probably over a thousand leaders have signed it since, we got blasted for putting that out. Mm. Uh, propheticstandards.com, if folks want to go there and read it, especially leaders sign on propheticstandards.com. So my concern is as things heat up and who knows where they're going. Right. I, I mean, with all the indictments against Trump, this is going to yeah. create greater sympathy for him, for those who yeah. believe he's being framed, greater yeah. animosity against him. He's not participating as of, as we're recording the day before, he's not participating in the first debate. Is it either him versus the Republicans? Does it destroy the whole thing? President Biden, is he going to be indicted? Is he going to yeah, be impeached? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it's it's absolute madness in terms of what could happen. Not to and mention the, what the we, not not to mention the political uh, and geopolitical atmosphere. You know, oh yeah, talking, everything else talking, all yeah, around yeah, the world. Of yeah, course, we're, we're we're just talking about us, but then us throwing into everything else that's happening in the world. Who knows what this world's going to look like in a few months? Right, and and whether we realize it or not, living in America, American stability is essential for the stability of the of the world. Yes, and these are big issues, and that's why many people say, "Oh, who cares if if Trump sends out a nasty tweet?" You know, he's pushing back against China. I, I get it. He pushed back against abortion. I I, I get that. He, he also had a celebratory rally in December of 2022, mm -hmm. celebrating same-sex, quote, marriage and saying yep. how he's fought he for you know, the gay activists all these years. So let, let's realize we got a real mixture here. 
Yeah. Uh, again, this is as a, as a two-time Trump voter. But here, right. here's the thing we miss. My big thing was not the tweets, the nastiness, it's that we took on his characteristics. Mm. We became like Trump. Our social media pages were just as ugly as political, wow. political pages, just as nasty, just as divided, people trashing each other. I, I mean, ministers of the gospel, people that I've known to be solid ministers of the gospel, maybe on Facebook page, one day there's, you know, uh, hey, here's my favorite verse I've been meditating on and a great little devotional thing. Oh, man, excellent. And then next day, uh, your powerful worship service I was in, you can watch it here. Awesome. Then the next day, here's maybe some meme making fun of Joe Biden and, and you know, falling over. It's like, what are you, are you a baby? What, what is this? this is, we're not like the world. If, if we're concerned right. about his health and his well-being, which many of us are, then pray for him. Yeah. Pray for him. Well, pray that God will raise up somebody better, but the, the carnality in the church yeah. and the fact that we became better known as Trump supporters than Jesus followers. Right. Is yeah. that worth it? Is it worth right. it for any and, political and, gain? And, and let's not forget that, you know, there is there is something there is, you know, I love the book by John Bevere, Honor's Reward. There is uh, there is a reward that comes with honoring, period. So the reality is this, you know, yeah, you have every right to say, I did not vote for this man. I don't accept him as my president, all this kind of stuff on either side. But there's just, there's supposed to be the character of a believer. And, and what, you know, there, yes, character doesn't get you to heaven. I understand that. But there should be a byproduct of a Christian persona that, you know, you, I tell, I say this in my church all the time, Dr. Brown, I say, you know, you want to get an alcoholic delivered. You've got to give the alcoholic something better than alcohol. And it's like they got to want what you have. And if our goal is to be on social media, wherever it is, to try to reach those that don't know Jesus, we've got to give them something better than what they have. And that doesn't mean that we accept and that doesn't mean we affirm uh, abominable lifestyles and sins that the Word of God completely rejects. But they should see something about the, the character of Jesus in us. And the, you know, the, the title of that book that you wrote that we're talking about, The Political Seduction of the Church. And, and, that, and that's exactly what it was because it wasn't overnight. It's been a process that has happened over time. And I want to say one quick thing, and I want to get your response to this, is because I believe it's not just in the political realm, Dr. Brown. I believe even in the church, when COVID came in, normal as we knew across the board in the in the, the uh, commercial world, in the economy, in the church world, just got turned on its head. So people realized we've got to do things different. But what I'm seeing here on the ground in Birmingham and some of the pastors that I pastor and all this What's concerning me, not just in the political side, in the church side, I'm seeing us not learning our lesson from that either, and we're trying to just go back to doing everything that we used to do before, thinking that is what's going to bring a revival, and that's what's going to appeal to the people in our community. I love coffee and donuts, y'all. Don't get me wrong, but coffee and donuts in the foyer is not going to bring about the call to revival that we've got to have. They, so so I, people that closed down the altars, you know, open them back up when the when people started coming back, but now they're starting to close them back down again and put God in a box. And so I think just like in the political world, what happened that you're talking about is happening across the board in the church. We have forgotten the lessons that we thought we said we learned, and we're trying across the board to go back to the old way. You know, what is your thoughts on that? It's spiritual suicide. 
It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Our only answer is a visitation from God. It's, yes. it's very simple. America has fallen too far. America is too deeply divided. My 2021 book, Revival or We Die, A Great Awakening is Our Only Hope. There was no hyperbole in that. I meant every word of it. Mm. And that it's, it's been the only hope of America in times past. And God's moved and God's poured out his spirit. But Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Jesus yes. said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and, and drink. It's those who are hungry. It's those who are thirsty. It's those who are desperate who will be filled. Because God called me on the front lines of the culture wars almost 20 years ago, uh, and I've been preaching uh, Monday, so August 21st, as we're recording on a Tuesday, Monday, August 21st was my 50th anniversary from my first sermon. Oh, wow, so, your jubilee. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And, and love, <laughs> I love to preach to this moment. Can't wait to get behind uh, the pulpit and uh, pour out the word. But uh, God called me on the front lines of the culture wars, and specifically, in terms of gay activism and things to reach out to the people with compassion, to resist the agenda with courage. That's almost 20 years ago. Wow. And as we've watched what's happened in the society, as we've watched how things have spiraled, as we've watched how the younger generation has been so deeply influenced, as, as we get the endless agonizing emails and, and messages from friends, from strangers talking about uh, what's happened to their kids or their marriage or family. It's just agonizing accounts. And, and uh, when you look at how things have infiltrated the school systems, a lot of parents were shocked to find out what was being taught their kids. Yes. They discovered during COVID when they were on video classes and you know they contact us shocked. It's like, this has been going on for decades. You Absolutely. just found out about it in your school. It's been going on. So I felt yes. bad that they were just finding out. So there, there was no earthly solution there's no political solution i had i had callers to my line of fire radio broadcast call in during the election season 2020 there is no possible way you can be a christian if you don't vote for donald trump next caller there is no possible way you could be a christian if you do vote for donald trump and i say i i thought when we stand before god he's going to say what did you do with jesus not hey. what did you do with trump Come on. so uh, again here's what's going to happen now passions are going to rise. We're going to get caught up with election fever. This is going to consume us. Here's what I recommend. You don't need to know what the polls say 14 months in advance or a year in advance or six months in advance. We've seen how these things can go up and down and sometimes not even be reliable. And yeah, watch a debate, be educated, find out who the candidates are. But rather than get caught up with all the news and it, it, it's not going to help you live today if you're constantly caught up with news all around the world. Spend that time in the secret place. Oh, Spend that time in prayer. That's so good. That's so good. Rather than debating these things, rather than wasting all this time, get on your knees, get on your face, say, God, start a work in me. Start a work in me. I, I, I drew up a list in the political seduction of the church of, of my, my seven key points for changing America. And what the church can do. So, so it begins with personal repentance in our own lives and then seeking God in earnest prayer and fasting and then evangelism, discipleship, church planting, then acts of compassion, helping the poor, the needy, then you know, standing up for that which is right and getting involved in, in the education system, the media, all the different ways we can get involved. And then lastly, being involved politically. So it's on the list. It's important. Everyone should pray 
for God's will in the elections. Everyone should be informed and should vote accordingly. And some are called beyond that. Some are called to lobby, some are called to run for office, some are called to generate funds. But I, I had seen a stat that something like $2 billion were donated to Republican campaigns or Trump's campaign in 2020. And, and I don't know how much the Democrats, and, and all it is is the more someone gives to one candidate, the more you give to the other candidates, so you can have more ads attacking each other. You think, there, and I actually read that missions giving dropped because people wow. gave more politically and thinking that it's just not wow. right. It's not wow. God's heart, not God's perspective. If we put our emphasis on revival in our own lives, seeking God for renewal, for fresh fire, fresh devotion, recovering of our first love, turning away from sin and carnality, and then reached out to our neighbors, sought to, to win them to the Lord, sought to love our neighbors ourselves, sought to do good, sought to be a disciple and make disciples, while we also vote, put that down there. Yes, yes, it, right. That's that's how the nation will be changed. And yeah. what I tried to shout out, I was supposed to be on CNN in the thick of some of the election debate, and then last minute they canceled because of news from Russia. So I was thinking in advance about what I wanted to say, as and it was to explain why I was voting for Trump. So this was that was the context of it. Yeah. But what I wanted to shout out for the whole world to hear was Jesus died for my sins. Jesus shed his blood for me. He alone is my savior, my redeemer, my Lord. I owe my heart, my soul, my mind, strength. My last breath is his. And I voted for Donald Trump. That's that's what I wanted people yeah. to know. Right. And that explained why. Yeah, right. I've got issues with this. I don't like this. I wish he wouldn't say certain things. I find yeah. it divisive. But tell you what, we've had 60 million babies slaughtered. And yeah. I believe Hillary Clinton's going to go in the wrong direction. That's, you know, that when, when it was the battle end. I believe she's going to go in the wrong direction on that. I believe Donald Trump is going to go in the right direction on that. Or, you know, when it comes to fighting back against radical Islam or pushing back against tyranny of China, you know, I, I thought Trump would do a better job. These are existential things. So despite my misgivings, yeah. he gets my vote. But, but when he does things I don't agree with, I'll say so. But yeah. what we have to do is be sure as we move forward that we, we step back and ask ourselves, okay, did I get way caught up last time? Like maybe you're really into sports, okay? So, so maybe it's, you know, Crimson Tide versus Georgia Bulldogs, whatever, right? And the last <laughs> time tide, you went to a way. game, uh, excuse me? I said Roll Tide, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the last time you were at a game, you got into a fist fight, right? You know, with the guy next to you and you're both pastors. It's like, yeah. okay, <laughs> right. either we don't go to the game or, or we don't get so emotional. Yeah. So that's what we have to do. What did we do wrong so last time? How did we get caught up? Because if we don't figure it out in advance, we're just going to repeat the same errors. Yeah. And, and then instead of being the salt and the light and what our nation needs, we'll just be part of the problem. Yeah. So voting is important. Politics is important. I'm not downplaying that for a minute. But what's interesting is I've seen more outpouring in the church in the last two, three years under the Biden administration yeah. than I saw during the Trump years. And, and it's not because of Trump or Biden. It's because mm -hmm. of us. We tend yeah. to pray really hard. Yeah. And so yeah. as white evangelicals, right? White evangelicals, yeah. we mainly vote Republican. So we pray really hard for I got to get, you know, God, have your way, have your way. But we hope it's this. The person gets in and then we take our foot off the gas. Right. It should be the Say opposite. And, and then the, the, the bad guy gets in, the, you know, the evil yeah. person in yeah. our eyes, right? Now we yeah. pray, we pray, so we good. pray. No, we need to keep our foot on the gas until yes. Jesus comes. It's that simple. Yes.
Yes. And, and, and listen, I know you guys are smart enough to realize that he's not talking about revivals here because of who's in the White House and who wasn't in the White House. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And, and I believe that, you know, if anything that should have come out of this separation of the remnant in COVID and all that we went through, it was driving people to the altars again. What we're seeing here on the ground, doctor, is, is you know, yeah, 60% of the church globally walked away and uh, the majority of them never returned. But we are seeing some of the greatest, most powerful encounters in the altar I've ever known in pastoring now, coming up on 29 years. And, and I'm looking out there and and it's, and it's I, I hope all those people that left come back, but it's not the people that left. It's the church is filling up with people that's not even been in church or the D church, the unchurched, the D church that, that what came out of this global mess was a hunger for the real thing, the authentic thing. They don't, they're tired of the fake, tired of the nothing against lights and cameras and screens and smoke machines and coffee and don't nothing against any of that. But they, they just are saying, if I'm coming to church in this, this environment, I don't want fluff. I want the real thing. And and I think, you know, we we can very quickly touch on this and, and cover it on another program, but but the book that you wrote, you know, Why So Many Christians Left the Faith, uh, you know, and I love the subtitle says Responding to the Deconstruction Movement, uh, you know, and with unshakable faith. And the reality is this, I think a lot of this this deconstruction that's happened that over the past few years is out of frustration for this image of what Christianity has become across the board, the Americanized version of the church. And, you know, when you get on a plane, you go on a mission field, I go on mission trips all the time every year, you know, the Americanized version of church does not work in the village up in a mountain in a poor area. You've got to just go back to the actual gospel. And, and Dr. Brand, do you think that that is, you I mean, ultimately, I think the greatest revival and the final revival, if this is the final awakening, the final revival is going to be a return to the simplicity of the real gospel. And and God's got to do what he's got to do to tear down the Western version of the church and try to be the church again. And if we become a political machine versus a spiritual and revel revelatory biblical machine, and I hate to use that word, but entity, group, then we've we've already lost, we've left the boat. We've jumped off the boat. God's not going to bless that kind of mess. So is there hope for us, Dr. Brown? Is there yeah. hope for the church? Absolutely. And this is the great test now. This, this next 15 months or so is, is going to be a, a massive test to see will we learn from our mistakes? Because mm. again, God is moving. I'm in church after church around America. Not, not everyone, but church after church in America. And I'm thrilled with what I'm seeing. The hunger and the thirst, most all of them, uh, start the year with fasting. They they have regular prayer and seeking the face of God. They're putting first things first. They're unashamed of the gospel. They speak boldly on social cultural issues, and they're all actually politically involved. So it's not either or. Right. They're not just saying, well, we'll stay home and pray and let God take care of the elections. They're politically involved. Some, the churches have even had people in their congregations run for office. So yep. it's not either or, but it's, it's first things first. Look, Asbury was just another reminder. Th there were no uh, accounts of miracles of healing. There were no known names. It was, it was as low-key as could be in that regard. But when people heard God is moving, they came flocking mm. from everywhere. Wow. And here's the thing. 
Gen Z is, and this I say in terms of a need, not a criticism, but a need, the loneliest generation we've had, right. You're the right. most depressed, the most suicidal, the most stressed. And, and if we can get past an image of being, we are just partisan political people, or we are the church version of Fox News or Newsmax or whatever it is, if, if they can see that we are caring, Jesus-loving people and a community, and they can really find meaning and hope and, and get free from the, the things that have haunted them and hurt them, there'll be a massive harvest. It's no coincidence that that uh, immediately after Asbury, what comes out? The Jesus Revolution movie. Oh, yeah. And, Talk and, about and, that. And sh- That's good. Yes, yes, yes. So look, for 25 years, it started in the days of Brownsville. God began to speak to me as, as surely as there was a civil rights movement in America, there will be a gospel-based wow. moral and cultural revolution. And he told me I'd be in the thick of it. So we've been talking about that for years and knowing it's, it's starting to rise and things are starting to turn. And uh, last year I said, you watch, this is the year of taking background. You watch what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and you know, you're, you're seeing atheists and skeptics and, and others, they're speaking out against cancel culture. They're speaking right. out against radical trans activists and saying, what is this? This is, and these are people, of course, we pray that they'll know the Lord, but they're even seeing it. And then, of course, Roe v. Wade overturned last year, something that people thought would never possibly happen. Things are shifting, but yes. we must seize this moment and not yes. get distracted. So, look, I'm a human being like everybody else. I've got good habits and bad habits. And certain things, okay, I'm always distracted this way. Well, it's always going to happen unless I stop in advance and think through how is it that I get distracted? Yeah. Why is it? Like, I've listened sometimes. I'm listening to an audio book as I'm driving, and I get distracted. So I, I click, you know, replay 30 seconds, go mm-hmm. back. I get to the same part. I get, I've done it sometimes three times and gotten Me distracted too. each time. It's like, okay, what? Why am I, in, unless I think through consciously so and now focus, it's going to happen. So pastors, leaders, believers, please hear me. Step back and ask yourself, what happened in 2020 that you would like to not happen again? I don't mean in the elections, I mean in your own life. Did you get obsessed politically? Did you, did, were you on edge all the time? Was there conflict in the family? Were you so caught, wrought up with things you could hardly pray? Uh, right. Did it bring division among friends? Did you compromise your testimony? Did you find you were hating people rather than loving people? Okay, here's what you do. Step back. Here, here's the deal. Your vote is important. But aside from that, you can watch all the news you want. It's not going to affect the elections. Right. Yes, your, your vote matters. But you could read polling data and study it day and night, 24 hours a day for, for 15 months. That's gonna, not going to affect the outcome of the elections. But if you got on your knees and prayed, said, oh, God, visit me. Oh, God, make me into a torch. Oh, God, light a fresh fire in my life. God, use me to bless my family. Use me to bless and win my friends and neighbors. Make a difference in my life. And Lord, have your way in the elections. Have your way. Turn hearts. Boy, that would make a big, big difference. So look, I live filled with hope and expectation 24-7. It's the way God wired me. The the longstanding joke, my wife Nancy and I have been married uh, over 47 years 
the joke is that she's the lead weight that keeps my helium balloon from flying away. <laughs> so I, I live with this wow. constant sense of expectation wow. of what God is doing and what he's about to do. But I'm also very sober and, and very grieved and very broken yes. because I know it's, it's very critical. So this could be a turning point yeah. in the nation. And yeah. none of us have a date when Jesus is returning. I was told he was coming any day when I got saved almost 52 years ago. None of us have a date for his return, but yeah. what happens now could have repercussions for decades and decades yeah. to come. Well, let's uh, get I, it right. And and I always say it this way: There's no plan B. It's us. This is us. Yes. There, he doesn't yes. have a, a plan B. So if not us, who? If not now, when? And you know, I I think of the simplicity of the statement: Keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, and, sir. And, and that's where that's where we lost our way. We 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 changed the main thing. We no longer, as believers, kept the main thing the main thing, and and I think that's what you're speaking. And Dr. Brandt, in the in the few minutes we have left, would you pray for those that are watching right now that may have ventured down that road and they can they're 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 concerned? I want to stay focused. I want to keep the main thing the main thing in my life, and then maybe pray for the church and our nation. And just speak a blessing over us that we will not be politically seduced into moving away from the main thing as we move in the coming months. Now, I'll do that. Let me just encourage you with this. I did a, a podcast a interview on a totally different subject, a 100% different subject with a completely different set of questions going in a completely different direction. At the end of which this, this young man with a large uh, online audience said, so the lesson is we got to keep the main thing, the main thing, <laughs> make the main thing, the plain thing and the plain uh, thing, the main, almost your identical oh, words. Wow. This is how he ended the podcast yesterday. So I'm thinking, oh, this is wow. Jogi Berry used to say deja vu all over all again. Over again. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Abba, yes. father, we are strong in you. We are overcomers in you but we are weak in ourselves and we are frail. You remember that we are but dust and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So I ask you, Father, to be gracious to us. We are like little children and someone waves something in front of us and we get pulled away and we waste hours and we are so easily distracted. Help us to be people of focus. Help us to be people who put first things first, to yes, seek Lord. first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help us, Lord, to be people who abide in the vine. Help us to be people who have the word of God in our hearts and on our lips. Help us to be people who put first things first, loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and bring sweeping revival in the yes. church that will become an awakening in society, an outpouring that leads to awakening, a revival that leads to reformation. May we seize the moment when we see the tide turn. May we take hold of the urgency of the hour. Have your way in the yes, elections. Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, bring about the desired results for your plan yes. for the flourishing of the church and the good of America. We don't know what that plan is. We don't know who that man or woman is. Yes. You have a plan. You have a purpose. Bring about the desired results for the health of the body and the good of the nation and help us to keep our eyes fixed on your son and not to fall into deception, not to fall into election fever, 
not to fall into carnal division. Help us to step higher. Help us to learn from the mistakes that we have made. And may all of us listening and watching right now live to see the greatest outpouring Mm. in our nation's history. Yes. May it be so. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Amen. name. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. I felt the anointing on that, Dr. Brown. I believe there's a people be in touch right now that's watching. If that, if you felt that, ladies and gentlemen, comment below. Say something in the live chat. Let us know that that prayer touched your life. Dr. Brown, you are such a blessing to me. You are such a blessing to the body of Christ. I want to encourage everyone to go get his latest book, uh, you know, that— is one of the most powerful books that he's written, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. Then there's, of course, Revival or We Die, as he talked about earlier. And this is the book that we talked about for most of the program, The Political Seduction of the Church. All of that and more can be found at AskDrBrown.org. Yeah, so you even had the the German edition of Hyper Grace up there. I saw that. Um, I, I didn't yeah. know what that. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't. I didn't yeah, in German, on it. it's it's Grace Without End? Question mark. That was their <laughs> okay. version. But yeah, let I, me encourage everyone watching: take ten seconds, right on our homepage, sdrbrown.org, and sign up for our emails. We'd love to put you in our welcome tour. Share more about my own testimony from yes, LSD sir. to PhD tell you about the three R's that we live for, revival in the church, gospel-based, moral and cultural revolution in society, redemption in Israel. And then we have literally thousands of hours of free resources available, wow. video form, audio form, written form. So take a moment, askdrbrown.org, sign up for the emails. Also, you can download our app. So this way, right in, right in your cell phone, you can ask all kinds of questions, search for things. We've got tons of answers there. That's Ask Dr. Brown Ministries is the app. We would love to connect with you and be able to pour into you. Absolutely. Dr. Brown, you have been a a blessing to be on The Big Picture. Thank you for coming on and sharing your heart and speaking and helping us keep the main thing the main thing. We speak blessings over everything you're doing. And uh, very soon we're going to get you back to Birmingham, Alabama. That would be a blessing to have you back at Solid Rock. You blessed us so much. Thank you once again. And uh, tell your lovely wife and your family that we appreciate uh, her loaning you to us for our broadcast today. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And to our big picture audience, I want to just say thank you for joining today. Make sure that you smash that like button, subscribe, and share this program because I truly believe that this program is a timely. It's one of the most timely ones we've ever had. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And I want to remind you that on the big picture, we ain't woke, but we are certainly Awake. See you next time.